Well, again, happy Mother's Day. Uh, just the other night, Becky and I uh, went on a triple date with some friends, and on our way back, we were just reflecting on things and just talking about uh, particularly the, the, the mothers and the women of our church, just realizing that God has really given us just some high-caliber ladies. And so I'm just really grateful to God uh, for that. And what we're going to do in this message is we're going to kind of continue on in this theme of honoring the women and honoring uh, mothers. And we're in this teaching series that we're calling the Gospel-Centered Marriage. And this morning's message is part two uh, of the biblical husband. And so we're, we're going to look at how uh, husbands can honor their wives. And so I really believe that you'll find this message very practical, but I also believe that it's going to be very, very biblical. And so remember along the way that one thing that we've been saying is that we are looking for principles, not practices. In other words, we need to find the biblical principles in all of this, like honor your wife and not necessarily just focus on the practices. Here's what Josh does to honor his wife, and so that's exactly what I will do. You got it? Principles, not practices necessarily. And so uh, today being Mother's Day is one of those days where we tend, historically speaking, to, you know, to honor mothers uh, pretty well. And so last night at 11 p.m., the guys were rummaging through Stop and Shop and getting the remainder of the cards and whatever flowers with one or two petals left that they could, could grab so that they could honor their mothers and their wives who were mothers. And hopefully you got that all taken care of by now. Uh, otherwise, you're in, uh, you're in some trouble because I've done that before, gone the day of, and there's nothing left. But, uh, men, have you ever found yourself in that position where uh, you forgot a big event? You've been there? Where you just forgot a really big event? Whatever that event was that you were supposed to remember. Uh, I fortunately learned this lesson uh, very early on. I was a senior in college. I was hanging out with my boys uh, in our apartment uh, late in the afternoon. And one of the guys, I don't know, it was maybe just divine of the Lord, or maybe Becky had been talking to this guy, uh, but he said, so Josh, how long have you and uh, Becky been dating now? And I was like, uh, it's been right at, right at two years. He's like, oh yeah, what's the date that you guys started? I said, uh, October 6th. What's, what's today's date? He's like, October 6th. No! And it was late in the afternoon and I just remember, oh, this is not good. It was our two-year anniversary. So I call her up and just pretend like it was all normal. Hey girl, you ready for our surprise date? you know? And uh, she's like, yeah, I'm ready. Let's go. And so we did it. And uh, I will never forget again. I really won't. I'll never forget again. But here's my excuse. I do have a valid excuse. That was like a Tuesday night and I had my ring already purchased and I was proposing to her on Saturday night. So that was the date that I was looking forward to. Just completely forgot about our two-year anniversary. But she might have said no uh, had I just forgotten about the uh, two-year anniversary. Might not have said yes to marrying me. And so I don't know. She might have talked to my buddy or maybe uh, it was just divine. But nonetheless, I'll never forget again. And these dates are important. You know, Mother's Day, anniversaries, Valentine's Day. These things are important to, to be able to honor women. But what we need to really think about this morning is how we as men can honor women every single day of the year because it really is a huge piece of our biblical mandate as husbands that we are to honor the ladies. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Why don't you turn there? That's going to be our uh, verse this morning, uh, really just one primary verse, a passage that we've already touched on in our look at the biblical wife. Um, but uh, go ahead and turn there, First Peter 3, 7. And if you don't have a Bible with you, we always have some provided on the seats here. And if you don't have a Bible at home, take this one home. It's our gift uh, to you. Uh, now, as you're turning there, uh, remember that as we saw a few weeks ago, this verse, First Peter 3, verse 7, if you look 
in front of it, the first six verses of the chapter, it comes right after some instructions, some really important instruction to wives about purity, about humility, uh, about gentleness, about true and perishable beauty, uh, about trusting the leadership of her husband. And so then God gives us verse 7 because he knows the sin of man. He knows our proclivity to abuse this teaching. And here's, here's how we often uh, abuse this teaching. We often uh, tend to um, really take this command to, to lead our wives and wives submitting to the leadership of the husband. And we often kind of abuse it. And we, we do so, historically speaking, as I've kind of seen in my own ministry, one of, one of two ways. Uh, most often men will either become passive with the, the call to, to lead their wives well, or they'll become aggressive with that call. They'll become passive. In other words, they'll just say, I'll pass, right? Uh, they shrink back, they tune out, they become lazy, and they don't lead their wives the way God wants them to lead their wives. The other thing that we've seen commonly happen is that men, rather than becoming passive, they become aggressive with it and domineering and abuse the leadership. They become jerks uh, with the call that God has given them. And so verse 7, where we're looking today, God gives this because he knows the sin of man. He knows our tendency to move towards passiveness or aggressiveness. And he follows uh, verses 1 through 6 with verse 7. So let's read it. Here's what he says. He says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, the focus of this verse is honor, that husbands are to honor their wives. But as I said a few weeks ago, when we read that passage, nine out of ten women uh, hear weaker vessel and don't hear the word honor. We immediately go to weaker vessel, and so let me just make sure we've touched on it before, but make sure we get this, that this, this idea of being a weaker vessel speaks to the fact that men and women are different. And different doesn't mean unequal, it just means different. In fact, they are equal. Scripture makes it very clear. Galatians 3.28 says there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And so we are equal, one, because God made us that way, and two, because of Christ Jesus. That if we trust in Jesus, uh, as it says in 1 Peter 3.7, that, that we are both men and women heirs of the grace of life. We have the same spiritual inheritance so we can be different but equal sharing the same spiritual inheritance and the example that we've been using kind of coming off of first peter three this idea of of a weaker and a stronger vessel which is something you you drink out of we we the example we've used is that women are like fine china that they are a weaker and more delicate drinking vessel and men are kind of like a, a nalgene water bottle you know they pride themselves on being indestructible and you can beat it around a little bit and uh, it's okay and so both of these are drinking vessels they have different purposes they are to be treated uh, a, a little bit differently but neither is better than the other and, and what do we do with the fine china we put the fine china on the top shelf of the the china cabinet we protect it we honor it and so that's what we're called to do uh, for ladies and so men the call in this verse is to honor women as the the weaker vessel now notice men again as we've looked at before that the first piece of this is live with your wives in an understanding way that we're to to live with them in an understanding way other translations will say live with your wives according to knowledge uh, because that the word there is gnosis and 
And the call here is to seek to gain knowledge, one, of women in general, and, and two, of the wife that God uh, may give you, which is going to require time. You've got to spend time with uh, your lady to understand her. It requires perseverance. In other words, you're going to mess up and do something where you clearly did not understand her appropriately. You need to persevere and continue to seek to understand her, and it's going to require loads and loads and loads of humility uh, on our part. And you are going to have to work at understanding your wife as a unique uh, individual. Because again, there are principles that apply to all women, honor women, but there are practices that will be how you specifically can honor your unique uh, spouse. Because, listen, you're not going to honor your wife maybe the exact same way that I honor my wife. I learned a while back that, uh, you know, understanding my beautiful, mysterious wife, uh, Becky, that Flowers are not her thing. And so Mother's Day flowers, that's not going to honor her well because she'd rather get something that's not going to die in a week. And so I, I try to uh, do something other than just flowers. I've learned how to best honor her. I've gained knowledge as to how to appropriately honor her. Now, I want to press in even deeper into how we might honor women with some honor principles that we pull from other places in Scripture. And I want to give you some Scripture that that details for us uh, how husbands or ways in which husbands can honor their wives. And I want to give us seven of them this morning. So if you're a note taker, this would be great. There's a place on the back of your river guide to do that. I want to give you seven of them. Uh, I'm sure we could find many more in the scripture. uh, But fellas, we've got our work cut out for us with just seven. And so uh, we're going to do seven uh, this morning. And the first one is really important. Uh, The first one is honor her covenantally. We need to honor her covenantally. See, when you enter into a a marriage relationship, you are covenanted with one another, that you have made an oath, which there's always an oath with a covenant. Uh, You've made promises to another person uh, that you will be completely faithful. Now, you've covenanted with her. Now, there's a big difference between a covenant and, and a contract. See, a contract, this is important, a contract has fine print that I will Get this out of it if you do not hold up to your end of the the bargain. A covenant, there's no fine print. It is, I am promising myself to you before God and before these witnesses, period, right? A contract is kind of 50-50. I do my part, you do your part. A covenant is 100-100. We're both going to give it all in this, and there's no exceptions. We're just full on in this. Uh, and, and, And marriages, for us as Christians, need to be covenantal and and not contractual. Let me, let me kind of explain a little bit more. So a contract is selfish. Think about any contract that you've uh, entered into. It's very selfish. It's me negotiating terms that will benefit me so that I can get the best deal that I can get out of this. A contract is very selfish. A covenant is focused on the other party. A covenant is me giving myself to you for your benefit, that we are in a covenant relationship, and I'm here for you. And men, in the Bible, every covenant has a covenant head, and in the marriage, men, you are called to be the covenant head, and it is up to you to be very careful to work hard to assure that you are honoring your wife covenantally. The Bible, if you think through it, is just full, full, full of covenants between people, and most commonly between God and his people. Like, uh, the most common one thread through scripture is I will be your God, and you will be my people, and I will never leave you or 
forsake you. And, and God is saying to us that, listen, I'm yours, and I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm giving myself to you. Uh, it is for your benefit. And so as God says that to us, husbands, as the covenant head, we are to say to our wives, I will be your husband, and you will be my wife, and I will never leave you or forsake you. And you think about it. That is very comforting for a woman. Because when a woman gets married, she puts herself in a very interesting situation. She makes herself very, very vulnerable. She gets married and she has uh, kids. Because statistically speaking, uh, should she be left, uh, the majority of women, statistically speaking, who have children and her husband leaves her, um, will enter below the poverty level. And so she puts herself in a very vulnerable, uh, vulnerable position. And so it's comforting to have her know, I will honor you and I will never leave you or forsake you. And so as God says that to us, we too need to say that to our wives and, and live that before our wives. Um, this kind of love in the Old Testament is hesed, uh, kind of love. And, and, and there's a book that I read to my, my children. It's called the, the, the Storybook Bible, and it's the one that we give out often to families here at Child Dedications. And in the Jesus Storybook Bible, here's how it describes that kind of love uh, throughout the book as it streams together, uh, links together the different stories of Scripture. It calls it God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. It says that time and time again through the books. And so with it, as I read it to my kids, I, I assure them, Kids, listen, God's love for you, it's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever. Kids, my love for you as your father is, is never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Kids, be comforted in this. My love for your mother is never stopping, uh, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever loves. And, and let me ask you guys, is, is that your love for your wife? that your love is never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. And, and here's what that means on a practical level. It means that you are committed to the very end, that you are certain of your faithfulness, that you are a one-woman man, that you are hers and only hers. First Timothy chapter 3 gives us qualifications uh, for leaders in the church. And these qualifications are there because these leaders are to be examples uh, to others in the church. And so in 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verse 2, uh, what God calls for the men is he says, you are to be a husband of one wife, that you are to be a one-woman man, that you are to be completely, completely loyal. So obviously there is no other person on the side. Obviously you're not the guy who has all the female buddies that, or friends. That It's not this question of your, your faithfulness. You're not the guy who's a flirt. You're not the guy who on a business trip is somebody different than who he is on Friday night on a date with your wife. You're not the guy browsing the internet looking at pornography. I know they're not physically in the room with you, but that's a human being that you're looking at. That's a real person. Jesus says if you look lustfully upon a woman, you have committed adultery. It's real. You're not the guy who, who looks other women up and down and has these wandering eyes. You're faithful. Ladies, I'd say this. Help men in honoring marriages by dressing modestly. Doesn't mean you can't be fashionable. But be mindful of what tempts a man. Be mindful of what trips up a man. 
Hebrews chapter 13, 4 says that, that marriage should be held in honor among all, and we all can help honor marriages. And again, women, one of the ways that you can help honor marriages is by dressing modestly so that you don't trip up another man and, and hinder his marriage. We have to be careful here. I, I love Job chapter 31, verse 1. Here's what Job says. He says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. So there's another covenant. I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully upon a woman. So men, you've got to fight for this. Covenant with your, your eyes. There's, a, there's a, a program called Covenant Eyes that if you need help with pornography, we'd love to help you get that program. There's another one that's, that's really helpful as well, but talk to us. We'd love to, we'd love to help you in that. Don't be shamed by it. Uh, move forward in it so that you can honor uh, women covenantally, whether it be the wife that you are married to now or you're unmarried but you have a future wife. You want to honor her and begin to do that now. Um, and back in our primary verse, look again at 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, 7. That preceding verse, verse 6, talks about women being free from fear. That God wants women to be free from fear. And again, as I said, the way that we can help her be free from fear is by being covenantally faithful. Because again, for a woman, there's much to be afraid of. Statistically speaking, if you leave her, she will enter into poverty. And there's much to be afraid of as uh, the weaker vessel. And so honor her with covenant faithfulness is the first one. Now, next way to honor your wife is, is this. Moving a little bit faster is to honor her physically. Honor her physically. Look again at 1 Peter 3, 7. She's referred to as the weaker vessel. And so what are some ways that you can honor the one in the marriage who is physically weaker, generally speaking? Protection is one. Men, we need to be, uh, we need to be very careful to protect ladies, our wives and, and all ladies. Men, as we walk down the streets of Boston, we don't really worry about our safety, but women do as they walk through the, the streets of Boston. And, and we need to be very careful to uh, be ones to protect women. First Peter chapter 5, verse 2 calls us to treat older women as mothers and younger women as sisters, that we are to be that kind of, we're going to protect her the way we would protect our mother or our, our sister. Unmarried men begin to act this way now. Consider it practice. Women, let it be a test. Is he protecting you? Is he caring for you in that way physically? Also, this should be very obvious, but don't ever, ever, ever Lay your hand on a woman. Don't ever seek to intimidate a woman just because you're physically stronger and somehow get up in her face and make her feel like she must submit to you because you physically are intimidating her. Don't ever do that. Also seek to, to physically serve her in the home. So does your car need attention? Her car need attention? Do something. Is there furniture that needs moved? Is there furniture that's, that's broken? Is there yard work that needs done? Is there something in the home that needs help? Take care of that. Let me, um, let me tell you about my super wife, and it's kind of a moment of confession, an area where I, uh, I dropped the ball a little bit. So uh, not long ago, um, I was out with my daughter. We were doing a couple errands, and we were in my wife's car, and we're going around uh, doing some errands, and then we I have the stroller, and we pick up a few things, and strollers are awesome. I mean, maybe for some of you guys, you're, you're prideful, and you're, I'm going to push in a stroller. 
Strollers are great because you can hook bags to them. You can go through them on. I don't have any shame anymore. And so I'm pushing this purple stroller around. I get back to the car with bags hanging on it. And then I go to open the hatch of the car, the back hatch. And I forgot that my wife had been telling me for the past several months that the hydraulics on the hatch are broken. So I have my daughter. I pull her out of the stroller. I have the stroller. I have bags. And I have a hatch that doesn't work. And it's just going to slam. And so I, I pick up the hatch. I rest it on my head. So I have the hatch sitting on my head. I got my daughter in one arm. I fold up the stroller, throw it in the back of the car, put all the bags in the car. And then I take my extra hand back up so the hatch doesn't crush me, and drop the hatch, go and put my daughter in the car because the hydraulics didn't work. And I started to think about it. My wife has been doing this. My 97-pound wife has been doing this for the past three months and been asking me to take care of it. Physically, I didn't honor her in that situation until finally I find myself being inconvenienced by it. It's a practical thing that men, we are to... Honor our wives. How can you practically, physically honor your wife as the the weaker vessel? Now next, we can honor her emotionally. Again, 1 Peter 3, 7 uses that phrase, weaker vessel, which doesn't just speak to the physical, it speaks to the emotional, that women tend to be emotionally more fragile. And that's a good thing. It causes her to, to... tend to be more compassionate and more tender, making them wonderful with children where we tend to struggle a little bit, where I get frustrated quicker with my kids. She tends to have just this, this much longer wick with them. And, and that's a, it's because, in part, because of who she is in her just innate makeup by the Lord. So men, how do we honor her made up like this and honor her emotionally? And many men would say, oh, I'll never hit a woman. But... Emotionally, they do. Emotionally, they, they hurt women. And, you know, these wounds oftentimes take longer to heal than the physical wounds do when you emo- emotionally abuse a woman. Many of us would say, oh, I never would emotionally abuse my wife. But you know what you are doing, many of us? Is we're not seeking to emotionally connect with our wife. It's one thing that men struggle with quite a bit. Come home from work, and you've got a goal in mind. Right? You know how the end of the night is going to end in your mind. And that's your goal. And so what you're doing, you're not going to emotionally connect. You're just going somewhere where you want at the end of the night. And so you don't connect with her. And what you do is you, you use her. And you're, you're selfish. And I'm, I, I can be selfish as well. And again, covenantal marriage is about how do I benefit the other party? How can I serve the other party? Let me say it this way. And I'll just be real frank. I'll say it this way. Sex begins at breakfast. And that's, that's for real. Sex begins at breakfast. In other words, many men will get up, get dressed, rush out the door. They'll, they'll go to work. They'll come home for dinner. Maybe they'll, they'll turn on the TV. They'll catch up on Sports Center. And then when they've caught up on all their sports, they'll, they'll sit beside their wife and suddenly they have a bright idea. And suddenly they start to snuggle and ask their wife how their day goes. But they're using her because they have a goal in mind. Suddenly at 10 p.m. But listen, Intimacy for a woman begins in the morning that you're throughout the day. How can I love you? How can I connect with you? How can I serve you? How can I relate with you? That's what we need to be. That's how women are made. That's why in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, it speaks of Adam and Eve uh, being with each other sexually. And what does it read? It says, Adam, what? His wife? Adam 
knew his wife. We know what they're talking about there. But that unique word, he, he knew her. That it's part of this is pursuing her emotionally, connecting with her and, and getting to know her and, and dating her and loving her and laughing with her and shutting the stinking TV off and talking to her and honoring her emotionally. We need to do that. We need to do much, much more of that, that we honor her emotionally. Now, move forward. We could keep going on that one. We need to honor her verbally. We need to honor her verbally. A passage we use often, but we oftentimes don't use it with regards to our spouse, is Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. And here's what it says. It says, Let your speech be always gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Let your speech always be gracious. Anybody convicted right out of the gate there? Me? Speech always be gracious. Do you always talk graciously about other people? And if not, do we, do we always talk graciously about our spouse? We should. And when you talk to other people about your spouse, is it always in a way that is, is honoring her? In a way that's, that's singing her praises? Or have you ever used the line or something to the effect of, oh, the old ball and chain, right? You're not honoring her. You're saying she's a burden to me. Oh, I can't hang out with the guys. I've got to be with my wife. She should always be lifted up by you and honored by you. And I, I need to confess that the, the only place that I find that I really struggle with this is probably right here, right here in this, this pulpit, that there have been a couple of occasions where I wasn't directly trying to say anything negative about her, but for the sake of the laugh, I, I said something that maybe painted her in not a, a really flattering light. And I'll just confess that. My wife is the most amazing woman that I've ever met in my entire life. Her inner beauty is incredible. Her gentle and quiet spirit is amazing. Her practical wisdom is just incredible to me. And so I, I just confess that. And I hope I never again insinuate anything to that effect. Now, there are... A couple places that we tend, and this goes both ways, men and women, tend to not honor our spouses very well verbally. It's a place where we oftentimes let ourselves off the hook and we think, oh, it doesn't apply here, talking graciously. And that's when it comes to family and children. When it comes to family and children. What I mean is oftentimes we feel like it's okay to vent about my spouse to my parents, because they're my parents, right? Or it's okay to vent about my spouse to my children, because they're grown now, and it's, so, it's okay. And so you can talk to your parents or your brother, your, your sister, about your, your spouse, but listen, even if they're Christians, they're going to listen to you, because they're your parents, and they care about you, and they want to hear what's going on in your life. But Genesis chapter 2, 24, as we touch on, says that a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And so venting to a parent about something that's going on in your marriage is never good. It's never good. You got it off your chest, good. And it might have been just a momentary thing or it lasted for a month or two or three or a year, but they'll never see your spouse the same way again. They won't. Even if he gets his act together, she gets her act together. Don't do it. How about this one? I wonder if any of us in this room ever remember a time where your mom or your dad came to you as a kid or even as a grown adult and said something like, hey, honey, you know your mother. Rolled their eyes. Anybody? Man, 
This is so harmful. Kids need to know that mom and dad are united force and discipline in everything that they do. It causes the kids to disrespect the parent. You need to be very, very, very careful. And again, I think most commonly it seems more acceptable as we get older. And now we can talk to our kid who's now in his 30s and talk about, oh, your dad, he's getting a little crazy, you know. We can talk that way. No, it's, it's, never, it's never good. It's not gracious. It's not seasoned with salt. Listen, if your marriage is having trouble and you need to talk to somebody about it, don't just start venting to trusted people in your life. You can't do that. Talk to your spouse about it. See if they'll acknowledge the fact that there's something going on and it's, it's a little bit troubled. And then with his or her permission, then go and talk to somebody. And even still, as you're getting help, you can still honor them. I'm receiving this this way. You can say it in such a way that you're not disrespecting the person, but don't do it without their permission. And only do it with the goal of not venting, but the goal of seeking restoration and help for your marriage. And so honor her verbally. And I believe that applies to women as well. Honor him verbally. Next one is this. Honor her financially. Listen, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, we'll put it on the screen, says this. You've heard it before, perhaps. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Those are some harsh words right there. Men, we were made to work. We've talked about this. God had man tending and working in the garden prior to Genesis chapter 3 in the fall of man. Man was working. We are made to work. I, I, I remember one particular conversation where I was talking with a guy. I was like, you've been working? No, I haven't been out of work for a long time. He's like, I feel like it's some, something spiritual going on here. I remember that. Because it is. You are created innately as a man to work. And when you're not working, it is spiritual. There is something going on in your heart. He says, if you are not working, or at least seeking the work, really moving in that direction, he says, you are worse than an unbeliever. You've denied the faith. How can you say that you love Jesus and not seek to provide for your own family? This is our responsibility, men. This is our responsibility. And if your wife wants to have kids and wants to be at home with them, these are innate desires that she has, she's been given by God, if she wants that, don't you dare put the pressure on her that she has to work so that you can live to some kind of level that you've always dreamt of, that you want, so that you can have that car, you can have that house. Several years ago on MSNBC, they they did a study, and they ran the financials of moms with kids who work full-time jobs. And they did the financials, crunched the numbers, and then they came back and presented to these mothers that in the end, after transportation to and from work, after paying for daycare, after now they're making more household income, so it puts them in a higher tax bracket. In the end, they were netting zero. They made nothing by the additional worker in the family. And they brought this information, MSNBC, to these moms, and they were angry. What am I doing? Why am I, I want to be home with my kids, but my husband's putting pressure on me that I need to do this so that we can live to this certain lifestyle. And really, they were netting zero in the end, listen, we talked about this. In Genesis chapter 3, when men and women fall into sin, the curse speaks to their domain. For the women, her curse was about childbearing, that it would be painful and challenging. And about men, their domain, which is uh, for the women homeward, for the men working, that 
for them, that would be by the sweat of their brow they would work. Working would be hard. But what many men are, are trying to do is they're, they're trying to ask their, their wives to, to carry her curse, but then also to take half of your curse as well. So you take 75%, I'll take 25%. And it's, it's shameful. Honor her financially. Listen, Proverbs 31, this woman that ladies are to aspire to be, not necessarily an actual woman, but this woman that ladies are to aspire to be, she, she works, she had a little business. There's nothing wrong with working. But men, if she wants to be at home, we should seek to free her up to do that. We should take that burden of leadership and honor her financially. Another financial way that I think we need to be honoring our wives is by being generous with our wives. Really being generous. Now listen, we're not to be irresponsible with with money. We're to set a budget. We're to live within our means. We're to, to give to the church and give to the needs of other people as God calls us to. But as you're able, you need to be generous with, with your wife. Treat her every now and again. Go on a big date night. Go somewhere, go somewhere schwanky every once in a while. That's, that's okay. It's a, it's a good investment. It's a, it's a really good investment. The other Sunday, uh, before going on vacation, I joked a little bit about my wife wanting a uh, pedicure and me just saying, I don't understand pedicures. You could just paint your own toenails. That's why we have polish around the house, right? And I always thought, what's the, what's the point? Can't you cut your own toes and paint your own toes? I don't, quite, I don't quite get that. But I've learned, as I've gotten to know my wife that, and live with her in an understanding way, I've learned that for her, it's a special treat every now and again. Now, she doesn't go every other week. We could never afford that. Once or twice a year before going on a vacation, she wants to get her feet looking nice. And I don't get it, but it, it's great for her. She likes it. She's in a room. But our children are not in that room, and she's resting, and she's being treated. It's, it's good for her. It's much-deserved pampering for the hardest-working woman that I know. And so, as you are able, men, with modesty, be generous to your wife. Understand that she needs to be treated every now and again. She deserves that. Honor her financially. Don't be a tightwad and then try to make it spiritual. You ever heard this? Guys become tightwads and they're like, well, you know, I'm trying to be a good steward of my money, God's money. No, you're just a jerk and you don't want to share and you don't want to give to your wife. Be generous if you can and honor her. And we all can. We can find some way to be generous to her. We can cut back on something, right? And we can be generous to our wife. Honor your wife financially. Next one is this. Honor her familially. Now, as a pastor, a preacher, every now and again, you're allowed to... Uh, take the liberty to make up some words, and so I just made that one up. But you know the word, family, familial. Honor her familially. In other words, one of the greatest ways that you can honor your wife is by being a family man. One of the, the goals of my life, one of them, is that I just want to be a hero in my home. I just want to be a hero in my home. I want to be there, and I need to be there frequently. I need to have dinner with my family. I need to read the Bible and pray with my kids. I need to go on daddy dates with my daughter. I need to take the boys on bike rides or go to the arboretum and play in the woods. Uh, I need to tuck them in, at, in bed at night. I need to sing songs to them out of key. I need to, to tell them stories. Because when they're teenagers and they don't want to do that anymore, I promise you, me, any other dad is not going to say, man, I wish I spent more time at work. It's not going to happen. So I want, to be a, I want to be a hero in the home. Again, back to 1 Timothy chapter 3, qualifications 
of a leader in the church because that's an example for others in the church, that he must, if he's to be a pastor, elder in the church, he must manage his own household. And it goes on, it says, verse 5, how can he manage God's church if he can't manage his own house? How can you manage the house of faith if you can't manage your own house? Again, this is what men are to aspire to, and this is what your wife longs for. It breaks your wife's heart when your kids want to play with you, but you're like, ah, I'm going to watch Center. It breaks your wife's heart when your kids want to do something with you and they're saying, Daddy, come do this. Like, oh, I'm going to open up my laptop. It breaks her heart. She wants you to be a family man and they need you to be a family man to honor her by being good to your children and being good to her and having a presence at home. Don't lie to yourself and make yourself feel better by saying, well, quality time is better than quantity time. No, it's a lie. Honor her, honor her. Familiarly. Here's our last one. Honor her spiritually. Honor her spiritually. We talk about this quite a bit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, here's what it says. Amazingly challenging verse. I think every man should memorize it. It says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. When we hear the phrase, act like men, we think, arr. We think men in tights on the football field smashing each other around. But men, as, as, as Ryan mentioned last week, one of the best ways that you can lead your wife is by being firm in the faith, by having a vibrant relationship with the Lord. It, it makes my wife so happy when she comes home from something. She goes out and she sees me. The kids are all tucked in bed. She knows I did that. And then she sees me sitting there reading my Bible. She loves that. And your wife will love that because it's so rare in our culture. Act like men by being firm in the faith. And that's strength, is is being firm in the faith. Be a man of God. Be in the scriptures. Be in prayer. Pray with your kids. Read the Bible with your kids. Be the initiator in bringing your family to church. So often it's the wife saying, come on, honey, let's go. We got to get the kids out. You men be the initiator. Majority of churches in America are full of women and no men, and it's, it's a shame. She shouldn't have to talk you into that. And you spiritually lead her. Now, one thing I get from men a lot is, okay, I get it. I need to spiritually lead my wife, but where do I start? Here's what you do. Tonight, when you lay down to bed, say, hey, let's pray together. And it's going to feel really strange for you because you haven't been doing that. But you know what? Just do it. She will love it. And she's not going to say, oh, come on, finally. Yeah, Josh said something. Now you're going to do it. You do it, and it will, be, it will be very welcomed. Honor her spiritually. Lead the family in the faith. So important. All right. Now, we finished these seven up. We've got a lot of homework now. This is so important. All of this stuff we've been talking about is so important. I'm really convinced that the number one problem with our society here in America is men. That men are not being men as God's called them to be. They're being very passive or very aggressive, and they use women. Men, Christian men, we need to honor women. We need to honor our wives. We need to honor our future wives, if you're unmarried, by honoring the women that God's put in your life now and not using them and abusing them for your own selfish desires. So as we close, let me ask this 
one question. And that is, why are we to honor women? Is it just because they need it? Just because they're weaker, so to speak? Just because men are jerks historically in our country? Why are we to honor women? Why do we honor her covenantally? Why do we honor her physically? Why do we honor her emotionally, verbally, financially, uh, familially, spiritually? We honor her because she deserves it? No. Because some do and some don't. And you're going to find there's maybe a situation where your wife doesn't deserve to be honored in that particular situation. Why do we do these things? We do these things because the gospel is the center of our marriage. We do these things because of the good news of Jesus, that we love her as Christ has loved us, as we said time and time again in this series, Ephesians chapter 5. Look with me one more time at 1 Peter 3, 7 as we close. 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor, showing honor. The English Standard Translation uh, of the original language, the Hebrew, uh, or, or the, the Greek rather, says showing honor. But I, I really love the way the King James puts it because I think it nails it a little better. And it doesn't say showing honor. It says giving honor. That we are to, to, to give, to grant, to apportion honor. Because honor is a gift that you can give to someone Honor is not necessarily something that is earned. You can give it, whether they earn it or not. And if you remember, Jesus died for you and sacrificially loves you, not because you've earned it. He does so because he chose to give it. That's how he works. It's called grace. And the way we honor somebody is being gracious to them, speaking graciously of them, financially giving graciously to them, Physically being gracious to them. Giving someone what they don't necessarily deserve. He loved us disproportionate to our love for him. And we need to be the same towards our wives. Because our marriage is a gospel-centered marriage. And we love as Jesus loved. And we honor as Jesus honored. Not based on how they deserve it. But based on I choose to give it. And maybe even in this time, some of us in this room are sitting here and saying, I've I failed. I messed up. I don't deserve the love of Jesus for my life. But there's grace for you. He's gracious and he will love you and care for you because that's who he is, not necessarily because of what you have done. That's the gospel. And so let that be for you freeing personally in your failures as a husband or as a wife or as just a person. Let that be freeing for you. Let that also give you something to aspire to, to love the way he loves and to honor the way he honors. Let me pray for us. God, thank you, Father, for the truth of the gospel, that you love us when we don't deserve it, when we are unlovable, that you are faithful when we are unfaithful because that's who you are. And God, may we be like Jesus and may we honor our wives always. May we always honor her because we want to be like Jesus. May we be covenant heads of our marriages the way Jesus is. That we would be sacrificial, we'd be gracious, we'd be selfless, we'd be servants in our marriages. 
Lord, I pray that from this body would spring up healthy marriages in your perfect time. Lord, that it would then trickle into our community, into the city. Lord, that this would be a place of revival because I really believe it starts with the home. You're doing a great work in homes, Father. So work in us. Transform our homes. That we would be gospel-centered, Jesus-centered marriages. We pray these things in his name. Amen.